Before I invite Nancy to read our scripture today, I want to introduce our friend and guest preacher, Linda Gorham, and her husband, James. First got to meet them before they were, uh, before I got to know the kind of work they were doing or before they uh, officially became a part of the work that Ecclesia Network is doing. Um, They just were so hospitable to us at a conference in D.C., I think this was like five years ago. Is that right, uh, guys? Um, we were at Missio, and our team and our team was uh, was stranded without a ride. Um, and they said, "Oh, we'll give you a ride. Where are you going?" And they they opened their car to our whole team that was up there uh, and gave us a ride. Uh, and that's exactly the sort of folks they are. Um, but uh, Linda and James um, head up a uh, really beautiful and dynamic ministry called um, Spring in the Desert Ministry, and this is in Baltimore County, Maryland. And um, I, Linda, I really hope you'll you'll share more about your community for us, but because uh, it is so dynamic, it has so many parts, but um, one part I think that is most resonant with our community um, is that you all um, were doing uh, neighborhood ministry, you were doing work uh, related to your training as a psychologist, um, and uh, you birthed a church out of that work uh, that is a dinner church uh, formed uh, the life of God around uh, a table uh, in your community. So uh, we're so glad to be in this uh, good, hard, slow work with y'all, and we're really looking forward uh, to uh, the word that you'll bring to us from Acts 2. Uh, let, let me pray. Uh, before Nancy reads for us. Uh, Lord, we thank you um, for all these uh, partners in your work. Uh, None of us are uh, doing this alone, uh, and none of us are responsible for starting or seeing it to its end. Uh, You uh, do that work in us. You call us to that work. You give us uh, roles to play, whether that is Uh, preparing or planting or watering or harvesting. Uh, Thanks uh, for friends uh, near and far, and thanks for this technology to share um, uh, with each other in in this communion. Uh, Bless Linda. um, Bless the words of her mouth and the meditations of her heart uh, as she shares uh, this feast uh, with us today. Uh, We pray all this in your name, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Turn it over to Nancy. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. 
the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. So um, I'm very humbled by this honor that your pastor and my brother Chris has bestowed upon me by asking me to bring the message today to Oak Church. And I honor the spirit of Christ in each of you who have gathered today. It's also my great honor to celebrate the two ways I feel connected with you. The first connection is that Durham is in some ways my ancestral home because it is my late mother's birthplace and where she was raised. Uh, my mother, Verna Mae Peacock Can, if you kind of do your scope in Durham, you may hear the peacocks. Um, she was born in Durham in 1933 and moved to Baltimore in 1950. Uh, she and her family lived on Fayetteville Street and they attended uh, Kyle's Temple, AME Zion Church on Dunstan Avenue. So um, as a member of the charity singers, my mom also sang on programs with uh, the Grammy Award winning gospel artist, Pastor Shirley Caesar. She often told me about that. And um, she also attended Murray Potter Academy, which is a boarding school for African-American children located in Oxford, North Carolina. So that's my connection with Durham. When I first met Chris, it was like, oh, you're from Durham. So I just felt immediately connected. Uh, the second connection I feel with Oak Church is that, and I smiled when I read this information on your uh, website, both the work of Oak Church and the work of Spring in the Desert Ministries in Baltimore County, Maryland, that's the church that I pastor and that my husband James and I are planting together. Both of our works are rooted in Isaiah 61. So you'll see that on my website as well as um, on yours. So our two churches are like sister ministries. We both are rooted in the same gospel. So um, again, thank you so much for this opportunity and I so much appreciate your prayer, Chris. So um, our topic for today is the church. Intense, immersed, intimate, and in awe. I'm going to repeat that. The topic is the church. Intense, immersed, intimate, and in awe, yes, all these eyes. So let's turn, look at this, um, our text today in the New Living Translation and try to unpack this topic a little bit. So um, I think it's very important. I hope you can hear me okay. And if you can't, just put in the chat that you, know, you can't. But um, yes, so I think it's important that we provide some background for um, these statements that uh, are written here because they are just a small piece of a much bigger story. So let me start by saying that the Christian church, as we know it today, had its beginnings about 2,000 years ago in ancient Jerusalem, located in what we now know today as the nation of Israel. And a lot of what we know about the beginnings and early history of the church, we know from what is written in the book of the Bible called Acts of the Apostles, or Acts for short, which is the fifth book in the New Testament. So I like to just give this background because I don't know who knows what, but um, just to let you know, Acts was written by a man named Luke, who was a follower of Jesus, um, but not a Jew, as most of Jesus' followers were during the time of this writing. And also he was a very highly educated man. He was, in fact, he was a doctor, he was a physician. 
So in the beginning of Acts, where our passage originates today, Luke very carefully lays out the facts of what Jesus's followers did just after Jesus was raised from the dead and had ascended or returned to heaven. So Luke writes about, um, and I want to give this background because like I said, this these few words are just a part of this big, rich story. So Luke, he's writing here at the beginning of Acts about um, how 120 of Jesus' followers gathered together in an upstairs room of a house where some of them were staying, and that while they were there, an, an absolutely amazing event took place. Uh, this event occurred during one of the largest Jewish festivals known as Pentecost, when anywhere from 100,000 to 250,000 people were congregating in Jerusalem for this celebration. So Luke writes that three incredible things occurred simultaneously during this event. And uh, these three things made this event the most climactic event in Christian history. Well, the second most climactic, because the most climactic would be the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So I just want to um, just look at these incredible things that happened uh, that Luke told us about. This, this is just before our passage today. So the first incredible thing was this powerful roaring sound of a wind rushing into the space where the 120 Jesus followers were gathered. And when I read this, I imagine the roaring sound of maybe like a huge jet engine revving up and, and the feel of the energy from the takeoff blowing all around me. So can you imagine with me now that sound and sensation moving all around your body in the room where you are sitting now? Um, so the second incredible thing that Luke tells us is that with this roaring sound and tremendous energy came something very visually amazing, something that resembled controlled flames of fire. Uh, in fact, can you imagine even now in the space where you are, imagine that there are 120 people sitting there in the room with you and you're looking at 120 separate flames of fire, each flame suspended above the head of each person. And it's a flame of fire that doesn't burn you, but it brings a powerful sense that the very presence of the living God is filling every fiber of your being. So this, my brothers and sisters, is Luke's account of how Jesus sent his spirit at Pentecost. And in that moment, his church, Jesus' church, was birthed in the world. So uh, Luke reports that tens of thousands of people ran into the house where this event was taking place, and they were attracted by the sights and sounds of what I just described. And while all these people were gathered there together, Peter who we also call Apostle Peter. He was one of Jesus' first disciples. Uh, he stepped forward and he gave a very dynamic speech about the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And in this speech, he challenged those listening to him to turn away from their sin and receive God's forgiveness 
by acknowledging Jesus as Lord and Christ. And by the time Peter had finished his speech, Luke tells us that 3,000 of the 100,000 or more people present accepted Peter's challenge and they were baptized and became Jesus followers. So in that one very powerful preaching moment, the church grew from 120 believers to more than 3,000 believers, 25 times greater than it was just a few hours earlier. So now we come to our passage. What was everyday life like for these new believers? So when we read Luke's account in Acts 2, we get a very clear idea of what you and I would have been doing if we were living in Jerusalem in the first century as a new believer. As a new believer, um, Luke, as I read this, um, he paints a picture of very intense activity. He's using very strong words such as devoted and awe. He says miraculous signs and wonders, and several times. He uses the term each day, as, uh, as in the believers were together each day. And each day, the Lord was adding more people to the fellowship. This is very intense stuff. So it's also clear to me that if we were among the new believers, we would have been serious homeschool students. You know, we talk about homeschooling a lot now, but if we were there, that's what we would be doing. We would be at home, being schooled. We would be immersed in the learning, not in our own homes, but we would be going from house to house, immersing ourselves in learning the doctrine of the teachings about Jesus Christ, particularly about Jesus's identity as both Lord and Messiah as Peter so powerfully proclaimed at the Pentecost festival. So, and it was Jesus himself who after his resurrection and before his ascension to heaven told his disciples that it was necessary that they understood everything written about him from the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms confirming his identity as the Messiah. And also because Messiah means the anointed one, chosen and given authority by God to rule as king, then we can easily see that the apostles considered teachings also about the kingdom of God as absolutely essential to anchoring the with the apostles as their teachers in their relationships with one another as indicated by the word fellowship or koinonia, which means holding something in common. And they immerse themselves in their relationships with God through prayer. So basically, um, I'm seeing here that their lives were marked by immersion and intimacy. And this is why we see various forms of the verb to share more times in this passage than any other action word in the passage. In fact, uh, in Acts 4.32, Luke writes that these new believers shared 
everything they had because they felt that what they owned was not their own. What a powerful idea. Sharing was not forced upon them by a religious system or and this is the kind of thinking that is what lies at the heart of what we call stewardship. So finally, Luke mentions two more markers of these new believers, and I'm coming to a close that I believe deserves our attention, even if only briefly. Luke writes about the deep sense of awe that came upon, I like that expression, that came upon each person as a result of the miracles and signs performed by the apostles. Luke also writes about the great joy and generosity that characterized these believers, even though many of them were needy themselves. So uh, these traits of awe and joy uh, can be directly linked to the work of the Holy Spirit in the church and the fruit of the Holy Spirit in the life of each believer. Uh, the deep sense of awe or reverence, that is a spirit that falls on the heart of a believer when he or she personally witnesses or hears about God's awesome mercy or his awesome judgment displayed in miracles and signs through his people. Somebody here today may know what I'm talking about. And, and I would encourage you to share with others, especially with your children and your grandchildren, what you have witnessed or heard that has caused you to have a sense of awe about God. And likewise, great joy and generosity that is mentioned in this passage, that is also a spirit that overflows from the heart of a believer when he or she is confident in God's love and care even during times of trouble or trial. Uh, it is this confidence that allows the believer to show hospitality, which I know is one of Oak Church's words, but this is that confidence that allows the believer to show hospitality and be generous even during something like a global pandemic when resources are scarce and when tomorrow is uncertain. So uh, in conclusion, it is my prayer for you, Oak Church, that you are encouraged today and that you hear God's heart for the Church of Jesus Christ to develop stronger intensity in our faith, to immerse ourselves in more fervent relational intimacy with one another, to respond to God's miracles and signs among us with a deeper sense of awe and reverence, and to live lives shaped by greater joy and generosity. Amen? Amen. That is my prayer. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Linda. Um, will, will, you, will you pray for us before we enter into a time of uh, communal prayer? Father God, it's in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, that we bless your name. We come before you with adoration and pray because you are worthy. You are God. And beside you, there's no other God. We thank you even now for your spirit who lives in us. We thank you for your presence that dwells so powerfully among us. And God, we 
call out to you for Oak Church. You know this church, you know the leaders, you know every, every member of the congregation, you know what they're going through right now. You see them, you know them, you feel their heart. You're not a high priest that can't be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but God, you have walked this walk, you have been down this path, you know their frustrations, you know their joys, you know their sorrows, you know where they need comforting, you know where they need lifting. And so God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would lift anyone whose heart is broken. I pray God that you would encourage everyone whose heart may be sad, any head that's bowed down, you said you are the lifter of our head. Father, in the name of Jesus, show yourself strong in a mighty way. The things that you revealed in the scriptures, the signs and wonders, even then, do it now in our time. Let us see your glory displayed. We want to be examples of your splendor, but we cannot do it without your power. We dare not step out without you. God, without you, we are nothing and can do nothing. Bless this church. Bless this congregation. Bless them to be a blessing wherever they are, to their neighbors, to their community, to their uh, entire area. Thank you for those who you have brought through various milestones. Only you did this. God, I pray that they would bow before you. Any trophies that we get, we lay them at your feet. They are not ours, but they are yours. God, we own nothing and we admit our inadequacies, and we admit at the same time our full sufficiency in you. We thank you for this moment. We pray your will would be done. Bless us as we further go to feast at your table. Be with us as we take and we eat of you. God, let this be strength to our body. If any is sick among us, God, be the healer of anyone who needs healing, Father, we thank you that you are our everything. You are our portion. You are our treasure. And we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless the name of Jesus.